The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, the Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Friday, March 26th, and this is a Super Friends Mailbag Edition. You may be seeing us on Thursday, March 25th, on the YouTubes. It's 2 p.m. or 2 p.m. or thereabouts. Uh, and joining me to answer all of your questions, two of my good friends, John Breach and Eric Debo, Deber, Debers. Just kidding. Ryan Wilson here too. What's up? Devo Devers. <laughs> I just that? realized I wasn't prepared to pronounce Devo's last name <laughs> and I just gave up on it. Devo Devers. Devo Devers. That'd be a cool name. Brinson. Deber Dennis. How about that? Yeah. Uh, what's up, Breach? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. My wife just texted me and told me she's going on a Starbucks run. So I'm texting her my order. How about that, guys? I'm going to have a Starbucks by the end of the show. I Breach. would, I would guess that you have the biggest fruit. Fruit order of Starbucks. I bet it's like you end up getting like a milkshake, like or it's like a like a chocolate mocha latte with like chocolate chips in it. Like like. Hold on, uh, before, before uh, you before you answer, Breach, let me preface that by saying every time we get together and it hasn't been a, has been for a, a minute, as the kids say, because of the pandemic. Every time we get together, Breach orders the fruitiest alcoholic drink. You don't even know it's on the menu. I think he special orders it and it usually ends up costing $15. No, he, he finds the menu and he <laughs> scrolls through it and then he finds the weirdest drink possible and orders it. So what, let's hear your Starbucks order. I bet it's a mocha frappuccino. And the funny thing about those drinks, as always, is that you guys come over with your camera. I was like, Oh, I'm going to take a picture of this and send it to my wife. So all of a sudden I can't even take a sip of my drink because there's seven people around it taking pictures. Uh, my Starbucks order is pretty simple because I, I like to keep the sugar to a minimum at Starbucks with alcoholic drinks. I'm a little more lenient. Uh, <laughs> so one. I actually just get uh, a grande blonde vanilla blonde latte. Oh, all right. Okay. That's surprising Lattes with sugar free. Vanilla syrup and almond milk instead of regular milk. Mm. I usually get a, um, I just get, well, it depends on the time of year and the, and afternoon, afternoon versus mornings. I'm, you know, this would actually be a good mailbag question. If you want to, if you want to <laughs> ask us what our favorite Starbucks order is, uh, leave a five star review on Apple podcast and we will answer any questions you have, whether it's about football, life, the off season, a possible trade, the NBA trade deadline, um, Ryan Wilson's uh, plans for the draft, anything you want. If you have a draft prospect question, you can do that. And we will do these mailbags probably every Friday or thereabouts throughout the course of the season. Um, coming up on Monday, we'll have a, a mock draft or some draft discussion with Wilson. And then in the feed are some good shows with uh, Jonathan Jones or a good show with Jonathan Jones. So check that out. There's probably more stuff in the feed, but I'm, Sort of losing my mind over here. I do want to tell you though about the all new Stitcher podcast app. It's been rebuilt from the ground up to make it easier to listen to podcasts on the go or on the revamped web player. Stitcher is home to all your favorite podcasts from classics like my favorite murder, which is my one of my wife's favorite podcasts. Um, it's like two, uh, you listen to that. 
I listened to a few episodes over the fall when I was driving back and forth. They're, they're good. They, it sounds weird. The two women that do it make it sort of fun as fun. It's not, it's not like, well, they're like, they're like valley girls talking about, talking about, I find it to be a little annoying, but I think that's the whole point is that it's incidentally enough. When they did the pick six, they said they found you annoying. Well, I mean, I mean, it is certainly embarrassing wow. that, uh, oh, it turned on two by there. Uh, it is certainly embarrassing that my, you know, I'm like, oh, I have a podcast. I did it. My wife's like, well, I like this. I'm like, oh, let's see where they are on the show. Okay. They are popular. <laughs> wow. They are much better than us. Uh, this American life and how did this get made? Plus all the CBS shows such as I on college basketball, fantasy baseball today. And of course, your favorite podcast, the pick six pod. In Stitcher, you have more control, like setting your download preferences per show and the ability to listen at virtually any speed. With Stitcher, you can listen to your podcast anytime, anywhere. So give the all-new Stitcher a try. Download in the App Store or at stitcherapp.com slash download. Hi, Bridget. This is what I sound like when you speed up my voice real fast. <laughs> uh, I was listening to a friend of the program, Pat Mayo's podcast, for uh, leading up to He was doing like a golf chat ahead of the Mayo. The, and uh somebody was like, yeah, Pat, like, oh, I love your show. I listen to you on 2.0 speed. And he was like, I'd rather you just not listen. He's like, wow. I would prefer you not listen than listen to me at 2.0. He's like, I didn't I didn't create this to be 2.0, which I thought was interesting. I think Debo has said that he does listen. I think he says 1.5 is maybe where he started. But I've never – I like hearing people's voices as they – the way they say it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I want it to be as intended. Um, but if you're in a hurry and if your job is to listen to the podcast, I guess you have some decisions to make. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, I don't, I just don't know what I would sound like sped up. I guess slow us down. Do us 0.5. And then you turn Brinson's, Brinson's drunk again. You guys are fine uh, on 1.5. Like the, the narrative murder podcast, I get where you want to like let it breathe a little bit, but you guys can listen. N- n- a Two is crazy. Podcast. Two is crazy. <laughs> two is crazy. Two is crazy. <laughs> Can you go higher than two? Like, if you want to get crazy, oh, is there a... Uh, old Sixers uh, general manager Sam Hinkie said he listened on three times speed, <laughs> which isn't, I don't think, humanly possible. Trust the, trust the process. Um, he spent so, many t- so much time rewinding it to hear what he missed. It, it takes him twice as long to listen to the podcast. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right, well, let's dive into the mailbag because Ryan Wilson has a hard out at 3 p.m., which is not really a hard out, but he lies to us so he can. So I won't ramble. i to take my kids to soccer practice. It works mostly. Mostly. Although, to be fair, Brinson asked to start the podcast 30 minutes early, and he was still seven minutes late. I was so kidding. in Brinson's mind, he was 23 minutes early. Right, right. <laughs> so, I, mean, I, I, I definitely in my head was like, well, he won't, Ryan won't be that mad because I am going to get there early. Like, we're going to start it early and not be you know, <laughs> yeah. forcing it through. Uh, best NFL podcast around. Uh, thank you. 7775426 is, uh, I hope that's not your phone number. It said, when did it all go <laughs> wrong for the Texans? Bob, uh, Bill O'Brien was obviously problematic with his trades, but when did Jack Easter Bunny arrive? I love that. That's great. That is what great. what needs to happen to fix this Ooh, franchise? Boy. We only have an hour. We and... can spend it on that whole entire question. We just skip all the other questions and spend an entire hour talking about how you can fix the Texans. Correct. In the last ten days, things have even gotten more complicated with the issues surrounding Deshaun Watson. I don't, man, I don't know. Like, okay, <laughs> let me ask you this. It's March 2021. What do the Texans look like in March 2024, Breach? Uh, I mean, it depends. Is Jack Easterbunny still there? That's the... We don't know. I mean, you have to project everything three years from now. 
I am going to say they are better. I, okay, so let's do this timeline really quick. Jack Easterby got hired in April 2019. Uh, it seems like he right around know, Easter, by the way, Makes and sense. right around Easter. And Brinson loves to use the little finger analogy. That feels like what that's what happened. He just kept he moved up the ladder really quick, became Cal McNair's right hand man. All of a sudden, he has all this power in Houston. I think Bill O'Brien kind of saw the writing on the wall because he didn't start getting completely crazy with these. Tra- the, the DeAndre Hopkins trade happened in March 2020. Uh, you know, that was after Easterby was already there. And I think, and when I, Brent's making that face, I'm saying that because I think O'Brien felt that, hey, if we struggle at all this year, I might get fired. And if I'm going to get fired, I'm going to go, I'm going to take everyone down with me. So I think O'Brien was a little more open to making these crazy deals because he knew, uh, he might not last because of whatever the politics were in the front office at that point. And so it just feels like the front office, because of Jack Easterby's in total disarray, uh, if you guys know how to fix it, you can tell me, tell this guy, but I feel like they're on the right path as far as they, they're, they're flipping their roster, right? They've, again, <laughs> they're flipping their roster. They have roughly 30 new players. So what's going to happen next year? Either that strategy somehow works out for some reason, or they're the worst team in football and they get the number one pick in 2022. And either one of those are fine. If flipping the roster works, uh, then uh, the new coach looks like a genius, David Colley. wait a second, Breach. <clears throat> Everything isn't fine when you were going to the playoffs with Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson. And now right, you- I'm talking about the current state of things. We can't, you know, like you can't say everything can't is not it. fine compared to last year or compared to Bill O'Brien's heyday. I understand that you can't go backwards, but this is all because of Jack Easterbody. Correct. It feels the like- the pro. So first of all, Breach Breach was like Bill O'Brien saw the writing on the wall. It's like he got fired midseason, so I'm not sure that he was like. <laughs> but I do feel like those are but, two but, different but, types of sucking. But I do, but I breach you, you, you elaborate a little bit. And so I do kind of agree with you in the sense that Bill O'Brien, I maybe he said this in hindsight after he was fired, but he, or maybe he said it even leading up. He's like, he, he, he's acknowledged at some point that he thought he would like, he's like, eh, this might be going sideways on me if we don't start out well. I, I, I here's what, here's what the Texans have to do to get on the right track. They have to fire Jack Easter Bunny. <laughs> but that's, that's not happening, right? On Easter, on Easter, Christmas. Palm Sunday, for Flag Good Friday, day. Flag Day, Arbor Day. You got to get the preacher day. out of there. I don't, Hanukkah, I don't care. Fire, fire to the moon. He is the problem. Look, Bill Belichick was asked about Jack Easterby and his ability to. He's like, he's like, Jack is not a personnel guy, and that's been become abundantly clear. And what happened was Jack Easterby came in as the head of football operations with Bill O'Brien, and then wormed his way into Cal McNair's good graces. And despite attempts to get him out of Cal McNair's good graces, he remains in there and he remains extremely powerful. And Cal McNair did the thing where they hired Nick Casario, um, but only as a way to, you know, so they hired, like he, he tried to pretend like Jack used to be, wouldn't be in charge and used to be almost lost control of the GM search, but then they figured out a way to get Casario. And I think Cal McNair believes that he's trying to recreate the Patriots 2.0, except it's the total opposite. Like you have a guy in charge of everything who doesn't know anything about actual football or player evaluation. And that's a, a big old problem. And, you know, you can bring Nick Casario in. I, I don't want to completely dismiss the idea that he could be a good GM, but if he's like the Patriots haven't been great about player acquisition the last few years. I mean, you know, they have, they had Tom Brady and they had Bill Belichick and that covered up a lot of warts and a lot of misses in the draft and a lot of you know, mistakes in free agency at times. Now Belichick's got some monster swing, you know, 
hits. Like, you know, but I, I do think that I would be questioning whether or not this front office and the only coach they could hire was David Cully, whether or not this front office was, is sustainable in terms of rebuilding a roster and rebuilding a franchise. And so it sort of becomes, can you get Jack Easter Bunny out of there? That that's the first step. And I would say the first step is trade Deshaun Watson and get draft picks and build over, but I don't think you could trade Deshaun Watson as it stands right now with his current legal entanglements. Yeah. I, I don't know where the legal entanglements came from, whether they were strictly from the women uh, who, who uh, allegedly had the, the, Things happen to them, whether it's, you know, some conspiracy theory suggests whether it was from the Texans. I don't know. It doesn't matter at this point, but his leverage is now much less than it was 10 days ago. And his value feels like it's probably much less than it was 10 days ago. So it certainly seems like he's not going anywhere. But again, we talk about it all the time and breach you mentioned this on a previous podcast. You can still trade him. There are teams that probably would love to have him, but the NFL could still suspend him, even if there are no legal implications associated with whatever happens to Sean Watson. So the question says, what needs to happen to fix this franchise? I honestly, a time machine. I think that is your best. That's bet. a great answer. A, a DeLorean. A DeLorean. A DeLorean. That's right. Steve yeah. I mean, Murphy. it's, it's a mess, man. I mean, you're, you're just in a bad spot with, with Houston. You don't have a lot of draft capital. You have a quarterback who doesn't want to play for you and who has intimated that he will sit out the entire season uh, without getting paid. And additionally, who has, you know, uh, 16 plus civil lawsuits being filed against him for, with allegations contained therein that are a very, very bad look from well, a, you, well, you do have though, Ryan Finley and, uh, Jack Easterbunny. So if the Texans play the Steelers 16 times, Finley is going 16 and 0, right, Ryan? <laughs> I'm gonna have, oh! I'll have two Ryan Finley sleeves on both ours by that point. <laughs> I mean, what? I look at this, all right, so this is a roster, you know, Laramie Tunsil's good. They got some younger players on the offensive line at Titus Howard and Max Sharping. David Johnson and Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay is a lot of name value at the running back position, but they're all older. And Brandon Cooks, Kiki Kute, and Randall Cobb, you know, if Deshaun Watson doesn't play and it's Tyrod Taylor and Ryan Finley and A.J. McCarron, I mean, this is just a wholly uninspiring roster. But I mean, the crazy thing is that offense isn't horrible. Like there's def, it's definitely not a top five worst offense in the NFL. And if you put Deshaun Watson in there, which we can't, I don't think don't they, I don't think, I don't think they have an offensive coordinator, do they? Yeah. Jack Easterbunny. He's, he just throws something out. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly. It's uh that's right. They promoted him to OC because he's Deshaun Watson's boy. He was the quarterback's coach and Deshaun was like, you have to keep Tim Kelly. And so they promoted him to OC. Sorry. And that might not even help. Yeah. I mean, I, what, is this not a bottom five offense? Here's the thing. If Deshaun Watson ends up playing in Houston next year because of whatever reason, legal entanglements or, or otherwise, I think this team, this team could go eight and eight in that division. I, I think there's, if Deshaun Watson is playing for this team, they can certainly make the playoffs. That's just the, how good the Deshaun Watson is. At that point is the defense, not the offense. Cause, uh, you mentioned that the running backs that they signed, Lindsay's still young. They got a little offensive line help. They got Marcus Cannon. Uh, they got Chris Connolly, the wide receiver, to add some depth there. They did sign a bunch of guys on defense. Um, Shaq Lawson, Malik Collins, Derek Rivers. So maybe there's a chance um, that they can get a little better there. But even if they're middle-of-the-road defense, they, maybe with Deshaun Watson, they're not terrible, in which case that's worst case for Texas fans because that means Easterby's not going anywhere. Yeah, oh, well, it's true. But I agree with the take that they could be good if Watson's a quarterback. But there's just you have no idea what's going to happen because – we get to July and the Texans could call up Deshaun and say, look, man, we tried to trade you, but nobody wanted you. 
uh, or they weren't offering, you know, they're offering two second round picks because of your legal situation. We're not giving you away no matter what your legal situation is. So you can either play for us or not play for anyone. At that point, Watson might say, well, I don't have a choice. You know, like I was going to sit out the season, but now yeah, I, I, like I'm stuck here. Well, so I'm going to play. And part of the problem too for the, te- well, it's the problem if for the Texans. Play. The, the issue is that once you get past the draft, Okay, and if you trade Deshaun Watson after the draft, whoever you're trading him to is going to give you future first round picks back. But those future first round picks, the the selection number will be determined by Deshaun Watson. Right. You know, so it's like you if you're the Texans and you want to trade him, you have to get rid of him now and and get two, three, eight, nine, twelve back. So that way you can attempt to get a quarterback, um, or at least you know. You know, maneuver in the draft and acquire more assets. Like you have to get the maximum number of, of, of assets back. And so you're just, unless it's a situation where the Jets, and if I don't know if you can do this, if you're the Jets, where the Jets are like, all right, we'll draft Zach Wilson. We like Zach Wilson, but we think we can trade Zach Wilson and future first to the Texans for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> it's not I mean, a trade, but I mean, that's a, that's a pretty ballsy, aggressive, game of chicken to play. Like you don't you know. feel like something that Joe Douglas would probably want to do given that yeah. he's in the middle and Robert Sala is in his first year. Yeah. You don't do that. You either, you either, if you're the jet, I, I sort of think the jets might've moved on from Deshaun Watson at this point. And they're like, all right, we're, let's, we got to make a decision. Sam or Zach or Justin Fields or whoever, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. If you want to keep your, your, your <laughs> brand the, strong, yeah. keep the dream alive. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's the Texans. I don't, I, I can usually talk myself into fixing just about any franchise in the offseason, you know, and I yeah. can't, I just can't get there with the Texans until we know what the deal is with Deshaun Watson and, and until we see how that uh, ends up playing out. Five star and a mailbag question from Robinson KR12 via Apple podcast. I started listening to your show when I was deployed during the beginning of 2020. I've listened ever since. Uh, thank you for your service. We appreciate Amen. you listening. Love the analysis, beer suggestions and love the North Carolina guys. Go pirates. All right. You know what? I, t- I take it back. I take it back all that. I'm just kidding. ECU guy. Uh, that's, you know, down east near uh, Jeff Fort Blake fan. That's right. Big Jeff Blake fan. My brother went to ECU, so I, I like ECU. Question, with the Bucks bringing the band back together, what are healthy expectations for this upcoming season? Also, what holes can they fill in the draft, Ryan? Um, let me see. I was reading something else. So let me, let me, let me see what we're doing. Breach. You're oh, the, the Bucks. You're yeah, the draft. Oh, so my here, here's the thing. I thought it was the Bucks. I want to double check before I, before I went in on that. <laughs> They've done a lot. You know, it's funny when you, when you go back and watch the Bruce Arians Super Bowl, um, parade where everyone was having a great time and Tom Brady was throwing trophies all over the place. Uh, in between the F-bombs, Bruce Arians basically said everyone's coming back and it feels like everyone has come back. Yeah. And Dominic Sue signed the other day. Uh, they, they, um, Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown's the only guy. Does, right. And, and playoff Lenny. So everyone else is back. Chris Godwin got franchised. Um, so it seems like they don't have a lot of huge needs and the mock drafts that I do every single week. I've had them, I think last week I had them taking a running back. Let me verify that. And I did, I had them taking Najee Harris, which I love it. Um, before that, I had them taking Travis Etienne the week before. Before that, I had them taking a linebacker, but that was only because I wasn't sure what was going to happen with Devontae, um, uh, what's, what's, uh, Levante David, who's signed a two year deal. He's coming back. Um, perhaps an edge rusher, maybe. I mean, they got Shaq, uh, Shaq Barrett back as well, though. Maybe you get another edge rusher. There aren't a lot of needs on this team. I've actually seen some scuttlebutt about maybe even taking um, 
if someone like my boy Matt Jones fell to 32, should should the Buccaneers take him? I wouldn't because Tom Brady's going to play for five years. But that's also something you could put on the table. I, I, uh, I I'm going to push back on that. I, I I don't think it's impossible if they if they love a, a quarterback prospect and they check with Brady about it and Brady's cool with it. But they're maneuvering this offseason, extending Donovan Smith, um, you know, bringing all all the guys back, franchising Chris Godwin, all the stuff you mentioned. That is designed around attacking the Tom Brady window. Uh, for as long as he is there and playing well. And so I, I really think that they are going to just keep trying to add impact players and pick up as many Super Bowls as they possibly can. Yeah. yeah what about, what about a receiver, Ryan? I mean, obviously you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but you know, the, the big receivers were dealing with some health issues last year. They haven't re-signed Antonio Brown yet. So maybe another offensive weapon for Brady. I know you mentioned running back, but I don't think a receiver would be crazy, crazy at 32. Yeah, no, that's actually a, a good point too, Breach. I mean, they have Mike Evans, you mentioned they had, they read, they, um, franchise Godwin, they have Tyler Johnson, all the things you talked about. But yeah, if someone like Rondell Moore, who played at Purdue, but only played seven games the last two years, and here's the thing about Rondell Moore, he's sort of like a miniature version of Tyreek Hill, which is sort of funny to say because Tyreek Hill isn't that big, but he's <laughs> five seven in his pro day, but he had a 42 inch vertical and he ran a 429, and he is, he is much more than a workout warrior. And so, and like in that offense or an offense like Green Bay, or an offense like Kansas City even, it just feels like, you know, you're, you're just stealing having someone that good. And and if you bring in a receiver that insulates you in case Chris Godwin leaves after the franchise tag season. Yeah, and it sounds like that maybe A.B. isn't in their immediate plans. I know that who was Russ Wilson was talking about reportedly or maybe actually on the record. He would like A.B., but that's the only player that's not coming back to the Super Bowl team, and he didn't play. I think A.B. is coming back to the Bucks. It doesn't matter is my point though. I mean, when he first started there, the first five games, I think they lost all those games or three or four games, whatever it was. And then, um, you know, he was a contributor down the end, at the end, but that defense is what took over and Tom Brady playing like Tom Brady once they got back to the Packers. I would also say that I think there's like a 65% chance and maybe even higher that the Buccaneers signed Goblin to a long-term extension before the franchise tag deadline to do so in, in late July because you know, $16 million against the cap, second biggest cap hit behind Mike Evans. Um, they can, oh, and you know what? Uh, I think they freed up. I don't know that, um, spot track has included. Oh yeah. So Donovan Smith, they signed to an extension too. So their cap number should that they haven't added that in. So that cap number should actually, they should have more cap space and his cap number, I would assume is well, and they signed Indomica Sue. Um, did, did they have that in there? I don't think either of those deals. Are, no, that's not included in there. I don't think either of those deals are official yet. It's just going to happen. I, I, I just think all of these dudes on this team want to keep playing. It's just like the Patriots were. Like people took less and wanted to go play to win with, with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are going to do that. And it, they just know it's such a window. You know, the Drew Brees is retiring. The Falcons, we don't, you know, we've had this debate about what they're going to do and, um, the Panthers are still rebuilding and haven't been able to figure out the quarterback position yet. So I think Tampa sees a wide open window to try and run it back next year. And there's reason to believe that Tom Brady might have a better season than he had last year because in, I believe every single one of the quarterbacks who's ever played multiple years for Bruce Arians, one, uh, they all have their highest interception rate the first season. But two, they all have their breakout best year in the Aryan system in year two. Like it happened with Big Ben, Luck. Uh, I can't remember Peyton was one year or two years with him. Um, but Carson Palmer. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's just how it works. Like you get the, the grasp of that offense. And so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks had a much better offense in 2020, 2021 than they did in 2020 when they were very good, but there were some hiccups for the Bucks. I mean, it was a wild card team that just got hot late. 
Yeah. So are there expectations? Should that be that? This, oh, I think this, anything, if that, if anything less than the Super Bowl is a disappointment. Yes. Anything yeah. less than, I mean, I, obviously weird stuff can happen in the playoffs. You know, we've seen the Saints teams, 13 wins in, you know, three years in a row. I mean, you know, the, the it happens to the Packers, courtesy of the Bucks and the Saints courtesy of the Bucks too. But, um, yeah, I think anything short of a Super Bowl that everybody in Tampa would say, you know, we had a good season, but it's a disappointment. Yep. The, the one thing about that though is that in the NFC, it is nearly impossible to get back. We've had seven different NFC teams get to the Super Bowl in the past seven years. So it's no lock, you know, it's not going to be no, easy. It's not, it's not a lock at all. I mean, it's, yeah. And they weren't, they weren't a favorite going into the Super Bowl. Um, oh, reach, uh, reach the in the Mailbag, Buffalo Trace part two. This is from Colts and Bourbon, who our buddy you offered to send us some Buffalo Trace, uh, from Indianapolis or give us some at the combine, like a meetup or something. He said, since you guys won't be in Indy this year, I'd be willing to send you a bottle of Buffalo Trace. Uh, yes, please. Probably send it to my house first and then I'll give it to Brinson and he can send, give it to Wilson. Send all three here and I'll make sure that those guys get them. <laughs> Toss one in for Devo. Um, you're going to get like a, like a, uh, a, a, it's like a, a, the seal is broken. And it's full of apple juice by the time you get it. Uh, just kidding. I wouldn't drink Wilson and Breach's bourbon. <laughs> I would. Uh, my question is, why do you guys seem to rail on teams like the Colts who have tons of cap space for not spending tons in free agency when they never have to cut their best players? It can be competitive in signing their talent back. Teams like the Patriots have constantly been cheap in free agency and get tons of credit for it, but the Colts do similar tactics and they get grouped in with teams like the Bengals who are just cheap and never spend money on any players ever. I know it's boring football when teams with money don't ever spend, but it's why the Colts have the roster talent and depth that they have. Um, I, I don't, uh, do we rail on the Colts? I was like the biggest I Colts fan and I was the biggest Colts fan of football last year. I think Chris yeah. Ballard, I think Chris Ballard's one of the five best GMs in football. Like he does an, he's done an awesome job of keeping their cap clean. Like they, you know, they, they have a loaded roster and he drafts well. They have multiple blue chip players and they have tons of cap space, but he doesn't want to burn the cap space and they're a team that likes to keep cash to cap. Uh, pretty close together. So, I mean, maybe that's the general sentiment. I would say on this podcast that, uh, n- nobody is blasting the Indianapolis Colts, except, well, it may be like, a maybe that maybe our buddy Colts and Bourbon feels like we turned on him with Carson Wentz getting there. Well, I think that what maybe he sees is that from a national perspective, that the Colts kind of some raised eyebrows because Indianapolis went into free agency with top five money. You know, we heard Robert Kraft say, this is the one year where if you had a ton of money, you need to spend it because there was a market inefficiency because you're not bidding against other teams. That's one of the smartest owners in the NFL. And so why aren't the Colts doing something like that? So I think that's what a lot of Colts fans might have been wondering. And Brinson, you hit the nail on the head. You know, like Chris Bowers made so many good decisions. But I think the reason the Colts don't get credit for what they do and the Patriots do, you know, because the Patriots are usually stingy except for this year, is because the Patriots have Super Bowls to show for it. And that's really what it comes down to. If you want a bunch of Super Bowls, whatever strategy you're using is going to get a ton of credit and be lauded by everyone. Uh, whereas the Colts, as smart as they have been, they only have one playoff win over the past six years. So you have people saying, look, you can't advance to the playoffs. What if you're just one player away? Why don't you just sign this one big free agent? And that's what's not happening. Um, so I, I do see why maybe fans and a few people are frustrated that the Colts aren't spending their money. Uh, but you know, Chris Ballard's been pretty smart. Yeah. No, I was, uh, I think, I think we are, are pretty pro Colts on this podcast. Um, for instance, you mentioned you're down on Carson Wentz, but 
I'm middle of the road on Carson Wentz, and Breach is high on Carson Wentz, so I think that it, it evens itself out. <laughs> but I have no issue with them re-signing T.Y. Hilton. It's a lot of money, 8 to $10 million, but he knows the system, and maybe they feel like he's a good fit for Carson Wentz. And um, Xavier Rhodes is coming back for another year. He had a really good sort of find-himself year in Indy last year. That makes sense. Uh, they do have questions at, at offensive tackle, but instead of breaking the bank for Trent Williams, which no one could afford outside of uh, San Francisco, even though with all that salary cap space, I got Sam Tevy, who started a bunch of games last year for the Chargers. And, and you know, I, like you, I trust Chris Ballard to sort it out. He'll, he'll figure it out. I am sure that the Colts would love to have Trent Williams. But, I mean, it's 23 million. Trent Williams is basically like, listen, here's what teams are offering me. Will you match it? If you will, I'm in San Francisco. Yeah. And and there's nothing you can do about that. They've had him $23 million. I mean, there's just nothing you could do. I I tend to think that it's uh Chris Ballard probably gets a raw deal because people are expecting it's like, why are the Colts winning? Why are the Colts winning? Well, you know, Peyton Manning had four neck surgeries. They had a disaster year. They draft Andrew Luck. He's awesome for a couple seasons and then retires out of nowhere after, um, you know, Ryan Grigson and Chuck Pagano and that, uh, you know, that administration screwed up Luck and cost them multiple seasons. So you're asking Chris Ballard. So then after that, Josh McDaniels gets hired and walks away at the altar. And so Chris Ballard and Frank Wright have basically had to rebuild this program. And to me, there's a lot to be said for in the NFL. Being a team where you're going to the year and you feel like if, like if things go right with Carson Wentz, the Colts are going to win 10 games. You know, like they have a, such a high floor if Carson Wentz is good. Um, but you know, if you're Chris Ballard, you took this job and then your franchise quarterback retired and then your coach left. I mean, that's a crazy set of circumstances to try and come back from. And he's managed to get them in the, uh, be a consistent contender. And a team that, you know, if Carson, if they can fix Carson Wentz, look out. I mean, they could be really good and all doing it while man, keeping, you know, the salary cap and all that manageable. So I, I don't, I don't think we bash the Colts. Yeah. I don't feel like it. Like Texans fans. Yeah. I get that. Raiders fans. Yes. Absolutely. Bengals fans. 100%. Sure. But that's, that's just mean. A, that's just a bit. 49ers fans hate you guys. Who? More, more Brenton. 49ers fans. Do you remember that? that? Was that yeah, it was just that one thing when that guy found a picture of my dead grandfather. That wasn't very cool. Oh, boy. I wasn't trying to bring that up. <laughs> I, mean, he, I just meant from YouTube comments earlier in the season. Oh, well, I mean, somebody did do a thing with my a picture of my dead grandfather from Facebook, which was pretty cool. Uh, mailbag from Mason Hawthorne. Love the pod. I can't believe Will didn't gloat more about his epic Hunter Henry to the Patriots call. I, I can't either. Wilson is my favorite because he babysits Breach and Brinson and schools them with sarcasm. First of all, we need his pick six shirts with those designs. Wilson with a Ryan Finley tattoo, Dickie V dunking on Brinson. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Oh, like a picture of Dickie V just throwing one down with his, his, uh, his, 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 uh, you know, like, you know, a posterization. There you go. I was going to say a word for, is, you know, Dipsy do dunkaroo. You know when you when you dunk on somebody, you know what you do. Oh yeah, you hang your mm-hmm. on hang their your, hang your shingle out, so to speak. Yes, your onions are on their counter. Secondly, here are my two questions: If you were NFL commissioner for a day, what rules would you change on or off the field? If you were a GM of any team, what moves would you have made in free agency? My team is the Rams. What would you have done differently this year? Well. Uh, I'll, what do you guys want to get first? I don't want to hog the spotlight. Uh, two rules. If I'm the commissioner, every play is reviewable. Put a camera down the goal line. Done and done. I mean, what are we doing? Or $14 billion. I, I want cam. 
No, 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 no. Every stadium equipped with high level. And I'm with you on that. The other thing I would do is have. Stop hating on Pylon Cam. Well, Pylon Cam, you don't get the, the exact straight you get angle. Everything. The... You're hating on Pylon Cam. And I'm going to steal yours, Breach. I'm going to extend the uprights taller so you can get those kicks. Ah! Buy two rules. <laughs> I would implement the Ravens overtime proposal that I hope passes at the owners meeting, uh, when they eventually vote on it. And that's just where the bidding process team A says, Hey, look, you start the 10 yard line. Team B decides if they want to play offense or defense. Um, and my other rule change would be I would have fantasy scoring on actual field goals with a slight difference. Anything. Ooh. Over 50 yards is worth four points. Anything over 60 yards is worth five points. Uh, under 50 is worth three points. Cause look, 60 yarders are rare. rare. There's been less than 20 of them in NFL history. So getting a five pointer is not a given, but I also think coaches would be, uh, a little more risk taking with their kickers and letting them try 60 yarders if they knew it was worth five points. Only, and then, by the way, sorry to interrupt you, Breach, but only Breach could make kicking more field goals a risk taking idea as I, I kind of love that i kind of love this idea though. i like it i like it but in- it's like you're down you're down four and so you kind of have to you're down four you know and you have to get in a exact or you can't get too close you know like it's it would it it would add an element of no, no, strategy you, you, and game theory to it no what happens is well it'll, it'll change all the analytics which would actually be interesting but what happens is you know who becomes more valuable other than the kickers the long snappers because you can just stay inside the zone for a four-pointer even if you're 20 you yards Bang out four pointers all day. Yeah. You need, to, you need the long snapper to be able to snap the ball 35 yards to get it back there. Oh, that would be interesting. So you and could, you have so more you could, time to kick. So you could set up your kicker. No, like but it, the, but the field goal is not from where he kick. Is it from where yeah, he kicks? It is. Yeah. The distance yeah, 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 is from yeah, yeah, yeah. where the holder puts the ball down. Right. Right. So what yeah, about yeah, yeah. this? What about this? What if you're at the 20 yard line and you need four points and you just, you're in a regular formation, like a third down. But your kicker sneaks on the field. You're, he's a, a playing a halfback. You don't recognize him. Quarterback takes it. Quarterback and kicker sprint back to the zone. Hold it real, down. And yeah, blast look at that. Dribble. Getting That's, crazy. See, you uh, love this. There idea. you go. See, there's all this new strategy. And I said there have been less than 20 60-yard field goals in NFL. There's been 23. So it's still a low number. You know who's going to hate this? Pete Prisco. Yeah, Prisco messing up the game. He's like, this is stupid. Learn <laughs> the game. Um, Do you have another one, Breach, or was that it? That, no, just I agree with the Ravens overtime rule. Yeah, I like that too. All right, you did okay there on that, that field goal one. Thanks, Wilson. Wilson. Oh, we're doing the GM. Yeah, I just I said I did it simply review every play in the goal line. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I would have a skybox. I would have yeah. a skybox official. I think that's critical, and which might happen. I yeah, think which, that's which might happen. Also. Um, and then yeah, I would have said put cameras all over the place. Oh no no! I would change the uh, f- uh, fumble out of the end zone. In, out of the end zone is a touchback. Yeah, I I'm okay that. with that. I don't. I, I don't have a great answer for what I would do right now, but that's what I would change. Yeah, what's breach? Good. What's your dumb answer? How to fix it? No, I I think it should stick. I was the one oh. that was on board with it. I think originally I thought it should change. I think I'm I think I'm with you. I think I'm fine with it the way it is. I don't okay. care. What uh, about uh, pass interference not being a spot penalty? Uh, How do you like that? I don't like it because what happens is if you throw the ball 30, 30 yards down the field like in college, it's only a 15-yard penalty, and that more reason for the defense to mug people. And that takes away from what the NFL wants in terms of offense. So I don't think you want to give defenders an edge to that degree. Seems fair. Um, what about the GM thing? What moves would you have made for agency? 
I mean, obviously, I'll start with this one, actually, because it depends, obviously, on who you are, you know, like what team you are. But since he's a Rams fan, since I'm a Rams fan now this year, after I moved on from the Colts, I will answer that. I mean, I think I really like what Los Angeles did this offseason. I, I did a lot with a little. Yeah, I mean, they didn't, you know, they put themselves in a bad salary cap situation because of the Todd Gurley contract and because of the Jared Goff contract. And they have, you know, a huge dead cap hit for Goff. But, you know, they traded... Big for, you know, they traded multiple first round picks for Jalen Ramsey. They brought in, you know, Leonard Floyd had a breakout year and re-signed him. They have Aaron Donald on the roster. Uh, they feel, you know, with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Tyler Hickby and Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, I feel like they believe their offense can be really good. But the problem was, you know, this relationship between Sean McVay and Jared Goff had completely disintegrated. And I applaud the Rams for being willing to say, F it, we're not going to go with the, conservative, you know, um, traditional route of just writing out this quarterback contract. We're going to eat it. We're going to move on from golf and we're going to grab Matthew Stafford and see if that can take us over the top. Because the reality is with, for these teams and, you know, Debo and the Eagles can sort of attest that it's not always true. Um, you know, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl was fired a few years later, but for the most part, you know, when you're talking about a team that, you know, is, is this good and has this many stars, you need to make a play. Go win a Super Bowl and nothing else matters. You know, you can get a couple of years respite, but like go get the Super Bowl. And so I love the aggression of going to get Matthew Stafford in the trade and saying, um, you know, throwing caution to the wind and, and acquiring who could be a Hall of Fame quarterback if he picks up a Super Bowl. Speaking of aggression, I love the Bears signing Andy Dalton, then sending out a tweet that says he's QB1. That's one of the best moves of the, of the offseason. <laughs> That's a joke. Actually, if, if I were a GM, I would, I would have, as Nick Casario traded to Sean Watson three weeks ago. Yeah. And it would have been before all the allegations. Again, we don't know. Can you imagine? I mean, assuming that the allegations are in fact not, you know, a conspiracy. Manufactured, right, manufactured yeah. by the Texans. merit to them. Right. But I mean, like if the allegations were coming anyway, can you imagine if you're the, like the Panthers? And you give up three first round picks and, and Brian Burns for Deshaun Watson. And then this happens and you're like, yeah. you're like, you know, David Tepper's like peacocking around for like several weeks. And all of a sudden it's like, boom. I mean, that is, well, uh, I mean, there would absolutely be conspiracy theories. Cause David Tepper would say, did you guys know about this? Did you dump them on us? Because you knew these allegations were coming, which the Texans have said they did not know. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, that would have been a disaster. Like that would have. You can see the trade being rescinded, like as a result. Well, I don't know how the, I don't, know I don't either. I'm just, I'm just saying it would get. Well, that the would crazy be... thing is, so say that's what had happened. The trade went down, say on March 1st, is that the trades can't be finalized until the first day of free agency, which was March 17th at 4 p.m. Eastern. The first allegation came out March 16th at like Ooh. 11 o'clock at night. So there would have been literally like five hours. For the team that just acquired Deshaun Watson to figure out what the heck was going on. No, no, no. They would have had, um, they would have had, uh, 19 hours. Right. Oh, yeah. I guess they would have stayed up all night trying to figure it out. Right, right, right. Well, they're not, they're not doing the deal. <laughs> they're like, uh, I don't, well, no, remember no. there was only three to start off right. with. And I think that was the number where people like, uh, you know, like is you, there were questions about it. Um, and obviously Deshaun Watson denied it right away. And that's what he would have done if the team had asked him. And so then you're like, you know what, let's go through with it. He can get through these three cases. And then, you know, 24, 48 hours later, all of a sudden he's facing 16 cases and then you're in deep trouble. Yep. Right. So I would have moved on from him just because we spent the first part of this podcast explaining why uh, this organization is going nowhere. Um, and then if I'm Nick Casario, I'm trying to find a way to get Jack Easter Bunny to be reassigned. <laughs> Jack Easter Bunny. <laughs> 
amazing. Um, yeah. What about you, Breach? That sounds like a name in, uh, like Jack Skellington is from Jack Easterby needs to be a character in a claymation movie. Uh, I would be the Bengals general manager who does not exist. So I could actually have that position and I would re-sign William Jackson and Carl Lawson. And I agree with you guys. I like everything the Rams did. They had zero money. They got Matthew Stafford. Uh, you know, they made a couple key signings. And so I, <clears throat> we've said it multiple times. We are high on the Los Angeles Rams. We're all going to have them in the playoffs. Brinson's going to have winning the Super Bowl. Uh, so we are on the bandwagon with you. Mason. Is that Mason? All right. No. Yes, Mason. Mason Hawthorne. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, more mailbag questions. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, Sun Devil David writes in, five-star mailbag question, NFL Terminator. Love the pod. Everything from the detailed breakdowns to the random banner is awesome. Question, if you could transport a player from today's game back into early days of the NFL, 60-70s, the idea that they would completely dominate the league, who would you who would you, who would you choose to send back, and what player would you want from the past to play in today's league? Ooh, that's a fun question. So I'll start so you don't steal it. I'm sending Tyreek Hill. I want to see how that goes over. Just, I mean, you have to use them in the same ways that Andy Reid uses them now. You can't just have them kick, returning kicks or something. But Tyreek Hill, I feel like just about anyone off the Chiefs seems like it would be a good pick. But uh, I'll go with Tyreek Hill just because the things he, it feels like as we're in pro, pro day season, everyone's now running to four, three, five. 30 years ago, it felt like a four, five was fast for even a running back. Tyreek Hill is running into four twos and. What, what, uh, decade? The sixties? Is that what they, is that what the, the reader said? Or they specify? Uh, sixties, seventies. Yeah. And I think, I think that's sort of important to discern the difference because I was kind of digging into this and looking at, you know, seven, eighty, seventies and eighties versus sixties and seventies. Very different, um, group of players that you're, that you're talking about. Um, but even Tyreek Hill, if he, even if he's a running back in the sixties and seventies, because you don't throw the ball quite as often. Just get him in space. And that's a wrap. 
I mean, he just runs sweeps with them all day. There's no one fast enough. Okay, well, I guess the question is, if you send Tyreek Hill back there, is it, like, my, I sort of looked at this differently. Like, I would send Adrian Peterson back. <laughs> well, he, he would be would, the, he's basically OJ Simpson, though, or Earl Campbell. Right. He's going to stomp dudes. But I, I mean, I'm looking for something different. I don't want the same, the well, same. I guess that's what I'm asking. Like, are you sending somebody back who would be great in that decade? From here, or are you trying to replicate what's already there, but better? Yeah, yeah. Are you trying to replicate? Or are you trying to send somebody back who might break the the paradigm? And and I guess my question is, if you send Tyree Kill back, does he get used properly? Well, that's what I yeah sort of. Pro- I'm sending back the Terminator. I'm not sending back a, a better version of what's already there. So I'm sending Tyreek back, or even like um you got one of you guys may be using this, so I won't elaborate. But even someone like Patrick Mahomes, imagine that. I, mean, I, that's- I think I think that um Cam Newton is a good answer. Oh and I'm, assu- yeah. I'm assuming you're sending them back for like the full duration of their career, not like how they are right now. And like they instead- have to play to their strengths. They can't go in there and, and like if you're Patrick Mahomes, you can't be handing the ball off 50 times a game. That doesn't make so, any sense. So like instead of playing in ni- in 2011, Cam Newton's playing in in 1961, and he is obliterating everybody. Like you drop Cam Newton in there, those guys. I mean, who's? I mean, I'm just are we looking- talking about players right now or players in their prime? Like, can I pick? Yes, you can pick pick Jim Breach, even though he played in the seventies. Well, you're talking about Tyree Kill. I would send back Lamar Jackson then, like okay, that, somebody who's just him. as fast. With... Wait, 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 is Lamar Jackson not in his prime? <laughs> like, like, oh no, no. Well, I was going to say Michael Vick if we could use players. Oh, not that's in their a prime. good one. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I think we need to pick people who are active in the NFL. Okay. Then Lamar Jackson, I think, would score every time he touched the ball. Well, I think you were in the sixties. I, I don't know if you're going to ask this question or not, Brenton, uh, before Breach interrupted you, but I'll I'll. Uh, in terms of mobile quarterbacks, and Fran Tarkington was a mobile quarterback. Oh, that that's who I had on the the number one rated by approximate value from 1960 to 1979. Number one player, Fran Tarkington. He would be awesome in today's NFL. Well, I was going to say you bring Patrick Mahomes or, or Lamar Jackson, even better example versus Fran Tarkington in terms of athleticism. I mean, Fran Tarkington was a good athlete, but I think Lamar Jackson would, would sort of reset the bar. Also, um. What's Eli and Peyton's dad's name? What's his name? Archie. Archie, Archie was a really good athlete too. He was a running yeah. quarterback. So the, I mean, uh, Archie was not was Archie seventies or eighties. No, I don't think he was eighties. At least he started in the seventies. I do believe. He was seventies uh, I mean, and eighties. Okay, yeah. late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was just sort of looking at. Uh, so I wanted to kind of look at a couple guys from the eighties too, like Gale Sayers. Gale Sayers didn't play in the eighties. Walter, are you thinking of Walter Payton? Walter Payton, 80s. Was Sayers 70s? Yeah, Sayers 60s. is probably 60s and 70s. Oh, 60s. then that's the answer. Yeah. You said Gail Sayers in the future and he destroys. Why did I think he was the 80s? Jim Brown. I mean, that's another one. Jim Brown. Definitely I'd like to see Jim Brown. I mean, Jim Brown played at Syracuse, which is where I live, and he was one of the best lacrosse players on the planet. Oh, I'm a loser. Yeah, Gail Sayers, is, Gail Sayers is the perfect answer. 1965 to 1971. Otto Graham. <laughs> Did I ever tell you, were, were, were we all together at the, the Audi Super Bowl party? Where, where, what city was that? New Orleans. Breach wasn't there. And I'm walking down the hallway to go use the bathroom. And Jim Brown with two security guards comes walking by me. And I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, he's short. He's not, you know, he's old. He looks like a grandfather. But he, you're still, like, kind of starstruck by him. Well, and, I was – oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. I wouldn't. Why would you not interrupt me? I don't interrupt me. Um, <laughs> Jim Brown is, uh, 85 right now. Uh, oh, wow. He's so he's probably 80 years old or 78 years old. And I'm like, Hey, I think I can call him Mr. Brown. <laughs> it's like, like I didn't, 
I can remember what I said. I was like, Jim Brown or something like that. He's like, what's up, dog? And I was like, oh, my God, this man is cooler than I possibly could have thought. Like, he just very casually was like, what's up, dog? It was amazing. What's up, Chuck? Uh, yeah, at that same party where Will Ferrell was there, oddly enough, shuffling through, he looked like he was 85 years old. Um, but I saw Barry Sanders was sort of just walking around. And he's also short, but also a Hall of Famer and also really good. That was that was a highlight for me. I didn't see your guy though, Jim Brown. Barry Sanders is five eight. Huh. So he's only three inches taller than you. Interesting. Seven inches taller than me, Ryan. <laughs> I love that. I tried to dunk on you. You you took the dunk out of my hands and dunked on yourself when you're Boom. That's how you do Damn it. roasted. Uh in my yeah, I so I think that qualifies. I mean I was trying to how did I I guess Sayers didn't pop up. I guess he didn't play long enough to pop up on the leaderboard. Yeah, surprised. I don't think he played very long. Um, I don't know if his injuries are otherwise. He just passed away recently, I believe. But um, Hall of Famer. passed away. You know, I don't know. I mean, what do I know? <laughs> I think it's in the last 12 months. Could be wrong. That's... but um, September. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I guess I just got Walter Payton and Gail Sayers completely flipped in my head. But Walter Payton would be awesome in the modern times, too. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think just who else would have qualified. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, it would be fun. It, I, I love this question. It's a great question. Uh, oh, Dan Fouts, I thought from the '80s would be fun to put in the modern times. Yeah, because he was or '70s, '70s and '80s. Excuse me. And oh, he yeah. was '73 to '87. So I mean, it's like that should qualify, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Unfortunately, Dan Marino didn't play in the '70s. He was drafted in '83. But Dan right, Marino, but like, did it. But, but like Fouts was like slinging it around and would have exactly. been awesome well, that, in the modern offenses. That's what made me think of Dan Marino because Dan Marino would throw for six thousand yards. Oh. um... Uh, no, that didn't qualify. I was going to say Lawrence Taylor. That didn't qualify. He's just the Terminator. Actually, Lawrence Taylor might suck in modern times. No. I mean, he wouldn't all. suck, but, like, he's not going to be able to hit dudes the way he did in the 80s. Oh, but he's still getting to the quarterback and, you know. Yeah. I mean, he's getting suspended a ton. Um, okay, so that's a good uh, that's a good look at that. Great question from Sun Devil David. If you like tangents and touchdowns, this is the pod for you. Question is a lifelong Bears fan. This is from High Fly Van via Apple Podcast, uh, Canadian. Thank you. As a lifelong Bears fan, I've had to deal with countless years of just plain stupidity. However, this is a breach burner. With the oh, signing of Andy Dalton, I feel like the, a new era is here. Oh, my goodness. Mm. However, it is not the arrival of the Red Rocket that has me excited. It is the one-year restriction on the pace regime. <laughs> what, a, oh, what a dump that is on Andy Dalton. That took a, that took a hard right there. Down hard. Yes, it did. Does this signing not screen that ownership has finally told our quote unquote fearless leader that he only gets this one year without purging our future to prove himself? Maybe we could call bleep and get his take. I mean, Sean, of course, life imitating art. This effing review has become as long as one of their podcasts. <laughs> Cheers. Keep up the good work. Stay safe. Thank you. High fly van. First of all, since he's, he's sitting here with this Andy Dalton slander and dunking <laughs> on him, Andy Dalton has even taken a snap with the Chicago Bears, and he's already one of the top seven quarterbacks in franchise history. Uh, Andy that Dalton. That still doesn't make him good. Andy Dalton has more 4,000 yard seasons than every Bears quarterback in history combined. Take that. And, uh, Andy Dalton, since he's been in the NFL in 2011, has more wins over the past 10 years than every Bears quarterback combined. This is the best quarterback the Bears have ever had. He can be good. Now, if I'm a Bears fan, I am actually excited about this because this is going to go one of two ways. Either Andy Dalton surprises you and he's good and he gets the team in the playoffs, or Andy Dalton 
is not good. The Bears are bad. Ryan Pace gets fired, and there's a new regime in there. So either you make the playoffs where I will knock Dalton here. You probably don't win because he doesn't win playoff games. Or Pace gets fired. There's no downside here. You win either way. No? Um, I don't know how that's a win. If you want Pace out and he gets fired, that's a win if you're a Bears fan. I mean a win for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. Like no, I, not I for feel, them. I'm saying I feel, from a Bears fan's perspective, because a Bears fan wrote this email, and this is Ryan Pace's burner account. I feel like <laughs> if not for the Texans, we'd be talking a lot more about the ineptitude of what's gone on in Chicago the last few years. Yeah. I mean, look, the Bears were basically stuck in quarterback purgatory where they couldn't – they didn't have enough draft capital to trade for one of the big names. And, you know, they were just told no on Russell Wilson. They didn't get their foot in the door to Sean Watson. and. They, it's like they have, it feels like they're just, and they have this floor of six and 10 and a ceiling of 10 and six. And that's, you know, that could, going to the playoffs is good. It's important to go to the playoffs. Uh, you know, it's important to try to compete for the division, but at a certain point, you want your franchise to have a better ceiling, right? And the Bears just don't have a ceiling. And so that's why it's so perfect that the Hyundai, that they signed the Red Rocket Hyundai to come in and try and fix things. And, and his yeah. nickname is the Carrot Top Cannon. Let's get that one going. What happens when... Better than the Red Rocket. Carrot Top Cannon. It's Carrots, Tops, Cannons, no, everything. What happens when Hyundai sponsors this podcast? What's Princeton going to have to say in order of... Uh, well, they're already help. getting free shout-outs for free, so why would they sponsor it? I'd, I'd love to, I'd trade my car for a Hyundai right now. I just think it's like, uh, all right, let me, let's, let's, let's do it. What best case bears record next year? Um, I'm going seven and nine. I don't think they win eight games. Oh my Lord. I think best, best case, case is, is seven and nine. No. I mean, I can generally talk myself into anybody winning 12 games. Can you talk to yourself into the bears winning 12 games? Mm. It's hard. All right, maybe nine and seven is best case. I'm not. Getting I think it. I think ten and six and second place in the division is probably best case. I'm going nine and seven. I, seven My is, best is case is eleven and five. All right. Okay. Oh, that's so that's you tack on the the Dalton tax from breach and that that <laughs> that <laughs> checks sense. out. Yeah. <laughs> um, eleven and five. Can you imagine? That's the worst case scenario for the Bears fans, by the way. <laughs> no draft pick in terms of uh, no high draft pick, and then the. Coaching staff in the front office coming back. I'm telling you, in June, they're going to call up the Seahawks and be like, remember that offer we gave you? Now we got Dalton. We'll throw him in the deal. You get all the first-round picks. Give us Russ. Mm, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. The Seahawks aren't giving up Russell Wilson to go back to Andy Dalton. Then they're just the Bears. No, they were without a quarterback. Andy Dalton's a quarterback, Brinson. He's a, he is technically a quarterback, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think I do think that this is like – I think that the uh, ownership probably would have signed off on go get Russ. You know, I don't think that they sign off on, okay, draft a quarterback in the first round and try to like give this another run. So if the, uh, if the bears make the playoffs and go nine and seven or better, you have to kind of think they're coming back. I mean, it would be pretty tough to fire Ryan Pace and, and Matt Nagy if they go to the playoffs three out of four years. Mm-hmm. And the other, and the year where they didn't go, they went eight and eight. Like that's, I mean, they've quietly done a good job. It's just that it feels like the ceiling is capped. They haven't quietly done a good job. They've, well, they've, the they've quietly, they've quietly won more games than we give them credit for. But the problem is that they, the personnel moves are just terrible. Like it's just not yeah. a lot, not a whole lot makes sense. And 
So I, we'll see how this season goes. If it, if it all falls apart, and I mean, really the Bears had no business going to the playoffs last year. So we'll see. If it all falls apart this year, then I think they're gone. And I think if they don't, if they win less than nine games, we could see Matt Nagy being fired or, or Ryan Pace being fired and maybe, maybe Nagy keeping his job. It, it remains to be seen, but certainly, you know, this is a roster on the hot seat. And I think the fact that they had to settle for Andy Dalton, if you are in fact a Bears fan, makes you kind of happy in a weird, all right, maybe this will all collapse kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And Breach will be there propping up Andy Dalton. The whole way. I had uh, Cody Benjamin made a list of the worst free agent signings, and he had Andy Dalton at number one. Slap in my face. Ouch. Slap in my face. The madness is in full swing, and the Isle College Basketball Podcast is your audio guide for the entire NCAA tournament. Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander will continue to provide breakdowns and daily recaps as we enter the second weekend of the tourney. If you'd listened to them in the first weekend, you might have had Loyola of Chicago in your Sweet 16 because they said that um, the committee screwed up and made him an eight when they should have been like a five or even higher. So, uh, yeah, worth listening to Gary and old Deadleg Norlater, who's called that for reasons unknown to me since I don't, I don't listen to it to like 24. I don't listen to it round the clock year round just because, you know, I'm busy with my podcast. Mm-hmm. Our podcast, excuse me. Down there. <laughs> if you want the best March Madness analysis, subscribe to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast anywhere you find this show. From Mexico, thank you. Diego Manon says, this podcast is just great. I listen to you guys every day, and I love the show. I live in Monterey, Mexico. Oh, that sounds incredible right now. Wow. Oh, my God. I'd love to be in Monterey. And now I believe I'm the greatest fan of you guys. Question. As an Eagles fan, free agency has been dot, 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 terrific. What is something that may blow your minds that the Eagles could make in the NFL draft? Thank you again, Diego. Hey, Diego. Muchas gracias, amigo, for listening. Very much appreciate that. Uh, By the way, you you sipped the Steelers question, but that's fine. Oh, I was trying to get the promo in. I'll I'll roll it back. That's fine. No, this is a nice question from Diego, so carry on. Well, I mean, you know, we talked about the Texans and the Bucks and the Eagles. I mean, certainly everybody wants to hear about the Eagles now. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to go or you want me to? Do you think this is actually a Debo burner account? And he just wants us to talk about the Eagles. Um, Diego Debo, you know, little brain freeze there. Didn't really switch the name as much as he probably should have. We got him. We caught you, Debo. I, I mean, I could see Debo being desperate enough to go down to Mexico and use a burner account to sign up for an Apple podcast thing and, and leave a review. So <laughs> that, that'd be a classic Debo move. Uh, all right. So Wilson. So, I mean, he's not asking like what else they might do leading up to it. So I don't, I mean, I guess you could say that the Deshaun Watson trade would qualify. I don't, I don't see that as likely. So what could they do in the draft that would shock you? Uh, take Mac Jones. <laughs> that would shock me and make Eagles fans, Debo included, very angry. I know Debo's talked himself into Trey Lance. That would actually be shocking too because Trey Lance is a North Dakota state, a state guy. And we all know that's where Carson Wentz went. Um, so that, that would be surprising. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising if they took a wide receiver, although they still have some some needs on defense. Uh, they they've certainly Anthony Harris is, is a good get, um, and maybe they don't even need a quarterback because they did sign Joe Flacco. We haven't talked about that. That's a huge huge development in Philadelphia. But I think maybe maybe Micah Parsons because they don't ever take linebackers in the first round. That's one of the other talking points. But last year, up until last year, Andy Reid had never taken a running back, and they took Clyde Edwards-Helaire. So I think for me, it would be someone like Mac Jones. <laughs> At six, which I would absolutely love, and I'm sure Debo and the rest of the Eagles fans would be so incredibly angry that they may actually march down to uh, Eagles HQ and and make their voices heard. Yeah, 
It would be not surprising if they took Kyle Pitts, right? Didn't you have yeah. that in your first Mac draft? Your first, yeah, you're saying Mac Jones, Mac draft, uh, <laughs> in your first mock and, and Eagles fans just came after you? Uh, on the Twitters? Yeah, I did it early on, maybe even during the season because Zach Hurts, who I think is still there, but he may be moved. And then I think Dallas Goddard only has one more year left in his deal. So I, I, it's fine. Falcons fans were angry about it too, but again, Hayden Hurst has one year left in his deal. So, and Kyle Pitts is a fantastic player. That would actually be sort of surprising, but I would love it. I think it would it'd be, it would make a lot of sense. Wait, we should say Dallas, who has it one year left in their deal? Does Dallas? Oh, man. I think he does. And, you know, we, we've heard the conversations about them trying to move on from Zach Ertz. I mean, so, I think Zach Ertz is done. If he wasn't, like, such a fan favorite and a popular guy in the city and married to a celebrity, I think he's out. Oh, my God. How, Debo, you there? I'm here. <laughs> How did this happen where, I mean, are they going to sign Goddard to an extension? Are they going to franchise tag him? I mean, this is the final year of his deal. That's If the Eagles suddenly went from having Ertz and Goddard to having nobody, that would be pretty crazy. Yeah, it's crazy because you – Eagles fans were excited. You think you have this dynamic duo at tight end for years to come. You know, Goddard drafted in, in 2018, the year after they won the Super Bowl, comes in and, and Ertz is really hitting his peak at that time. And then all of a sudden it looks like, you know, next offseason we might not have either of them. So Ertz, I would have thought would have happened by now. Uh, Howie yeah. Roseman, I think said, you know, we're not going to give them away for, for nothing, but I know there's cap implications there. They haven't really spent so, I wouldn't be shocked if he's back next year, but I, I still don't expect expect that. So uh, a tight end move and and a kind of tight end in the draft, more just like offensive weapon in Kyle Pitts, wouldn't shock me. I, I don't think it's what they're eyeing up, but that wouldn't be the the top shock factor. Is the, Mac Jones a top shock factor, or is it something else? No, it's probably, and and I don't understand. I mean, I guess I kind of understand. I don't care about the whole same school thing, like whatever. If it was, if they both went to Florida or Stanford, like it, it wouldn't matter. I get it's North Dakota State; they're not known outside of the past five years for being a quarterback factory. But like, that doesn't bother me. I know it bothers a lot of people. So I think probably because of that, amongst the fan base, each of those would have equal shock factor. Mac Jones at six without a trade down would be a 10 out of 10 shock factor. But it would be less shocking than, uh, what's his face? Uh, Dave Gettleman's quarterback at six, Danny Dimes. Mm, no, more shocking. No, less. Mac Jones at six. I mean, who else is off the board quarterback wise when Mac Jones gets taken by the Eagles at six? Uh, Eagles per- fans are taking to the street and setting Howard Roseman cardboard cutouts on fire. I'm not disputing that, but. Daniel Jones, everybody thought Daniel Jones was going after 15. Like, uh, I, I, I mean, it was likely, but not. I don't think there was any mock drafts, Ryan included or excluded, like that had Daniel Jones in, inside the top 10. At least like we've seen some right. like rumors. Like even Daniel Jones's mock draft didn't have him going in the top 10. <laughs> right. Yeah. But like Daniel Jones was very clearly either the like 2A or 2B, the quarterback position, depending on how you felt about Dwayne Haskins. And Mac Jones is like fourth, fifth, fifth, maybe depending on who you talk to. Wilson has him third. If he goes six overall, if Mac Jones goes six overall, that is a ten. That's way more shocking than Daniel Jones. I don't think so. Oh, all right, man. I tell you what, if if Cadell, if I, I think it would be interesting if we could like go back and look at like the the draft props from that night. I Ooh. I think Mac jo- Jones draft prop is going to be much higher than I what Daniel like Jones was that night. Yeah, 
That's a good point, Debo. I, I mean, maybe Wilson's mock drafts. I mean, like Daniel Jones was surprising <laughs> at six. It wasn't surprising that the Giants took him. By the way, one man's mock draft has moved Mac Jones from uh, average draft position of 15 to, to eight, and that's me. Like, no one else is doing it. Maybe that's your point. Which draft selection at number six would be more shocking? Should I do a poll? Giants? Say, yeah. Say, Giants. But I think you have to couch it in such a way that Giants fans – Giants fans or Giants fans more shocked by Daniel Jones going six or would Eagles fans be more shocked by Max Jones going six? All right. Uh, so in show pick six by debate, uh, trying to decide. Daniel Jones had the odds to be the fourth quarterback off the board that year. Well, what's, Max, he, what's Max Jones? Probably. I don't have the. Why would he be, what was, who's the other quarterback? What am I missing? Kyler. Dwayne Haskins Dwayne was ha- next. And then who was third? And then Drew Locke and then Daniel Jones. Oh, okay. So that is how Daniel Jones was viewed. He's behind Drew Locke. And that's not like top 10 picks. That's just in what order will these quarterbacks go off the board? Was Ryan, that 2018 or 2019? I always get the 2019. 2019. Ryan, did you hear that oh, okay from Brinson? It was like a, a, a oh, okay out of defeat. Like, oh, <laughs> I just listed this guy 2A, but he was the fourth. Well, I, I don't, I don't think there's anybody who's saying true. I mean, whatever. All right. Uh, I'm, look, I'm looking at my final mock draft. Is this the right one? Oh, this is the wrong one. Never mind. Dang it. Thought I had it from 2019. All right. So another tweet. So this way. All right. Just send it out. I, I just think it, um, I need to see what my mock draft was in 2019. CBSSports.com. Probably right, well, 5,000 of them. While I'm waiting. Uh, you got three minutes. Do you, though? All right, I found my April 25th, 2019 mock draft. Let's see where I had Daniel Jones going. Ooh. Third. <laughs> I'm sure he, oh, no. Oh, All right, yeah. well. Really? Well, we're running out of time, so let's go ahead and get on through. <laughs> yeah. again, you, were, you, were, you were probably trying to be funny and different. What did you have him doing? I am going 32, I think, behind Drew Locke. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. All right, six was a shock. I still think Mac Jones would be a bigger shock. I stand by that. I, I'm not saying – the Daniel Jones things was insane. We were on the set at in Nashville at that bar. Um, everybody our bo- lost their mind. Our boss, who's a Giants fan, was not happy by the pick. Port was furious about the pick. And Pete was the only one, like, quasi-defending it, and he still gave it a B. He's like, I love Daniel Jones, but he still, like, thrashed the pick. Um, okay. We got time for one more? Diva, thanks for doing one qu- uh, a question in two minutes. <laughs> let's, wrap right, well, let's, let's wrap let's this wrap thing. Up, let's wrap up. That's a good good length. We got an hour's worth of a podcast. Mac um, Jones is winning early on with 42 votes, 62 to 38. What? Come on, people. So, look, if if we have a bunch of these questions set up, just keep leaving them in there. Sometimes they take two or three days to populate, but and we we'll we'll get them. We'll keep them for later. There's plenty of time this off season. Obviously, if you have a draft question or something like that, or you know a, a pre-draft question, a free agency question, something like that, we'll you know we'll we'll uh, prioritize it. But Wilson does have to go take his kids to soccer. Not a euphemism. And, uh, <laughs> Both euphemism and reality. That's the funny part. That's right. And I've got to go see my in-laws who are in town for the night. And I have to go get my Starbucks coffee that my wife just got back with. Ooh, that coffee's, time, definitely, that coffee's definitely cold by now. Yeah, that's uh, fine. Joke's on you. I that's like right. cold coffee. Joke's you on like, both you of you. Like, you like cold coffee and uh, 
and reheated Chick-fil-A. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for streaming. We will see you guys on Monday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.